This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for bookings. Kia ora. Welcome to Bookings with Restart and Moran Rout. Moran. Oh yes, I've got the most beautiful book to um, talk about today. It's um, a selection of rooms in incredible houses and it's by that extraordinary photographer, Jane Usher. And I've got... Uh a book for the outdoors, for people who love outdoors, uh, Bushline, a memoir by Nelson publisher and tramper, Robbie Burton. In a deeply personal memoir, tramper and book publisher Robbie Burton pays homage to a life shaped by the power of the New Zealand landscape. It's called Bushline, which is a very appropriate title, and a lovely photo of him as a child um, in looking as if he's off tramping as he did as he was doing uh, that day. So welcome to the program, Robbie. Thank you, Ruth. Lovely to be here. Well, what a beautiful memoir. It's beautifully written, which I should expect from you, um, a publisher who has your skills and uh, Craig Potton's skills there and meeting with Craig, which I'll come to later, but it mm. was, it's just, um, for the most part, it's a very, very happy memoir of all the things that fell into place for you. Mm. Yeah, no, well, yes, it's, it, it is. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, has its ups and downs, but um, it's, um, it's all ended well, which is nice. You know, I've been very lucky um, I mean, I do feel a great sense of privilege growing up in in a provincial town in Nelson in the 1960s, and then um, there was a huge freedom, um, I think, that we had, um, especially in the 1970s and 80s, to do things you know, perhaps in mm. a slightly different way. And I'm very grateful for that, because that's led me into, you know, um, just totally by chance into a fantastically interesting career in publishing, which is now three decades on but um, I've been I have been very lucky that's that's for sure um, I've been able to pursue something I've really enjoyed in a, in a, in a marvellous part of the world that's that's um, you know that's very much a big part of this in a way yeah. um, losing your father at a very young age um, made not a lot of difference to you right then did it because you had this extended family these wonderful mm. brothers and sisters and mm. uh, and a mother incredible mother um, mm. who you were very very close to and mm. um, you both loved music you both loved nature and mm. uh, uh, that was a, I don't know how she managed with six children and, and was it six children yes Yes, it was. Yeah, no, I mean, no, it was, it was an important part of what I wanted to do with this was to pay, to honour um, my mother, who was, you know, a remarkable woman who, you know, lost her husband and oh, had to on her own. Um, and she just turned around. And, um, I mean, I, I, I was lucky and I was number five, and so I was only three when my father died. So I really knew nothing of that. It was not the case, actually, for my, my older siblings. But for me, I was blissfully ignorant. That's and right. all I knew was the, was the um, you know, the warm embrace of a big, loving family. Um, you had, un- you had a, yes, and you had uncles yes. and... Um, yep. Oh, and it's yep. a very yeah. extended family and context yeah. right from yeah. the... That's right. There was lots of big extended family in that, and I think um, 
uh, at that time in the 60s, there was a huge amount of community support too for, for a widow. Mm. There wasn't actually any money around, so you know it was it was always really tight. But um, yeah, I, I think um, that my mother was remarkable. She never showed any sign of you know of the blows she'd have, and gave us a you know a wonderful childhood. So I really got lucky on that score. I have to say, you certainly mm. did. And mm. then. Um, <laughs> I mean, the love for the mountains was and the tramping and nature mm. was there from the beginning, wasn't it? It was, yes. I mean, and that, as you mentioned, the cover photo, which is me of a, a six-year-old and in in, dressed up in my uncle's mountaineering gear in the campground at Aoraki, Mount Cook. And I had we went on this camping holiday around the South Island when I was just six. And I had two absolutely seminal experiences. One... Um, uh, the entrance to the Homer Tunnel and we'd just been on a day trip to the Milford Sound where I touched snow for the first time and I just couldn't believe the grandeur of the Darren Mountains and those huge dorite, dorite granite walls and then and then being at Hauraki and just hearing the avalanches coming off the mm. east face of Mount Septon, they, they were they were really striking moments and um, I think that seeded something in me which um, you know became my my enduring passion, especially in my younger years. It was a wonderful thing to be in love with skiing and, and mountaineering and tramping. It was great. And conservation yeah. has been important too. Yep, it was and yeah, and again that was um, just the experience of um, being in those places, and you know, and certainly in the nineteen. 19- 70s and 80s when it was very much at risk. Um, I, you know, it was great to be involved in trying to save native forests, which I did for some time in the 80s. That was marvellous, yeah. And you met Craig Potton through your brother, didn't you? Was it yeah. your brother? And, um, yeah. and, you know, you weren't thinking of, um, or were you? I don't know how no, soon you no. thought of joining in, in um, no. this wonderful, yeah. um, successful business story um, and publishing story. We would be yeah. very, um, oh, I can't imagine New Zealand without uh, Craig Potter yeah. and Robbie Burton. Um, yeah. It's been amazing. And, um, it, you know, it, it, you both had, Craig was... A photographer, but you were more the person who did the mm. basic work um, there, yeah. and that was huge. Yeah. The basic work. That's right. Well, <laughs> as he, it got he to was, be, mm. yeah. Sorry, to no, no, no. He was a, a photographer, and that was, and he was very clear. He 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 set up this fledgling publishing house and realised very quickly that he didn't actually want to drive a desk. He wanted to mm. be a photographer and to um, uh, work, carry on his work in conservation, which is when he'd approached me. He was my older brother's best friend, and they were very kind to me And uh, when I was younger than them and involved me in their mountain trips, which was terrific. But yeah, Craig set this up and then realised actually he didn't want to be tied for a desk, and so I got involved. Um, he asked me to get involved, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, it was a, a DIY thing. We neither of us really knew much about publishing, so it's been a self-taught thing, which I don't incidentally recommend. I don't think it's a very slow way to do things, but um, but that's all. That was our only choice, and so yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's quite improbable to be able to run a publishing house out of a provincial town, I have to say, but we've made it work, and um, it's, that that's been another great privilege. I've I've loved being involved in the world of. New Zealand books. Um, it's just been tremendous. 
Well, we um, bookends just we just talk to New Zealand writers now, and there yeah. are so so many. It's just grown and grown since mm. I was um, teaching English long ago in yeah. high school, and uh, I my love for books has just grown and grown because of mm. the ones that are here and that, that mm. are so important and sometimes get a bit missed out um, yeah. because yeah. they don't go on all the book shops. Um, no, yeah. Best shelves, which That's is right. which I always want to go and move them when I feel like going to someone. <laughs> I haven't quite done it yet. I don't think once. I think I've moved somebody's book. <laughs> you're the you're the, the book uh, book lover we like, um, Ruth. That's what you need to do. But no, it's a. Uh, I mean, the challenge in New Zealand is um, we've got you know wonderful writers, um, but the challenge is that we're trying to publish books into a tiny, tiny market and are competing with um, you know, work that's published globally in which they don't have anything like the economic issues we've got. Um, you know, so it's uh, it is unfortunately um, pretty hard actually now to, to hard. make it all work mm. because um, but it's not through lack of talent, it's just um, you know, a smaller market. So um, any help we get is fantastic and we're lucky to still have really good bookshops um, supporting us, that's for sure. And I guess you were quite surprised how good you were on production side and quality control and layout and design because it just flourished um, yeah, with the two uh, yeah. of you you were meant to meet. And the yeah. other person you were meant to meet was Susanna when you went off to the book fair in Frankfurt yeah. and fell in love in three days. I mean, that's yeah. quite something. Yeah. That's right. I mean, for a girl from Invercargill, that I should actually meet her in uh, in Germany of all places at Frankfurt Book Fair, it was a wonderful, um, a wonderful. Event. She was actually helping a, an educational publisher from Christchurch, and who um, was a friend and happened to be there. And yeah, we had this um, instant falling in love, which was um, a wonderful thing, really. And um, she she came back to New Zealand relatively quickly after that, and um, we've had a very happy. 20 years together in Nelson and raised a couple of boys. So it was a, was a, one of those wonderful pieces of dumb luck um, that it, happened. It was uh, indeed. And I'm glad to hear she came from Invercargill, where I yeah. grew up. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, great. Yeah, well, that's, that's where she was initially raised in Invercargill yes. in Dunedin. Yes. But, um, yeah, good southern roots. Yeah, it's great. Mm. The, the photographs throughout the book, I was surprised there were so many, but I shouldn't have been, and um, mm. they really make it too. And your descriptions, beautiful literary descriptions of um, nature and, and the mm. um, landscapes of New Zealand. I mean, I, I had expected it to be good, but it's very, very, very good, um, oh, Robbie. It's you. just uh, a beautiful read, and I think um, uh, Jeff um, is there, my, married to my niece, and uh, he's a photo. I opened it up and there was a photo of him. And he, of course, has been in touch with you, having done mm. several books. And, uh, you know, he said to me when I talked to him earlier in the week, and I said, I've never met Robbie, but he sounds wonderful. And, and Jeff said, Ruth, it's the most honest and open memoir. He's a classic and so that was a big sh- a big um, praise from um, a person who is quite critical of um, yeah. people who tackle these jobs. So yeah. it's yeah. been a hard decision to give it away and not give it totally away, but to break it down because of the sliding book sales in 2018. Mm. And, um, mm. you know, it's um, you've had to do that. And... Uh, 
I'm sure you sound like you're in a very good space now, and I'm glad you did that so you could have a a good life and, you know, a double life because you've had such a busy, busy life and uh, it's the right time. It was the right time to do it. Mm. Yeah, so yes, what you're referring to is that I've, I, I, I downsized the publishing business. I mean, we had 18 staff and we're now at four. But um, that was a decision which was extremely hard. But um, actually, I'm so grateful I've done it because um, I have a more modest output of books now, but um, uh, much more in control and far less stress. And I'm actually loving it. I feel um, as passionate about publishing books as I ever did. Um, that's never gone away. But with far less stress and far less exposure to, you know, um, to financial risk, which we very much had. So, I mean, interestingly, if we would not have survived the first lockdown, in my view, I did the sums, we would would have had um, mm. and it, too much debt actually to have got through that. So I'm very grateful for for having made that call. Um, um, yeah, and um, and thoroughly enjoying, you know, working with. I, I choose now just exactly work only with people that I like and respect, which is really fun. Um, so Indeed. yeah, I'm, I'm in a good. I'm in a good place. It's great. You yeah. are, and mm. uh, if people are looking for putting a book in uh, someone's Christmas stocking, then Bushline, a memoir by Robbie Burton. Uh, wouldn't go astray. I think it should be read widely and of course it's published by Potter Burton. You're listening to Bookends on Plains FM 96.9. Rooms, Portraits of Remarkable New Zealand Interiors has just been published. It's by the legendary photographer Jane Usher and architectural writer John Walsh. The word that came to mind to me when I first saw it was sumptuous, and already it's been hailed as one of the year's best, perhaps the very best book, um, by none other than Steve Braunius. There you go. Jane. Um, Jane's in town for the launch of this magnificent book. She is renowned, or was renowned originally, for her portraits. Um, But about a decade ago, she began shooting interiors and determined to treat the interiors in the same way as she did people. So, Jane, just tell me why, well, you know, why you pivoted to interiors. I know it was a change of job, but, and I know you still do photographs of people, but... What lured you into interiors? I think definitely leaving the listener because when I photographed people for the Listener magazine, there was an expectation that the portraits would be real portraits. They would be revealing, not necessarily flattering. And so once you've left that particular magazine, the expectation for a portrait becomes a little bit different. And I'd spent 30 years at The Listener and probably needed a new challenge. And at at the same time as I left The Listener, two other things happened. I went digital, which means I used a digital Hasselblad, which meant that I was, rather than looking down into a viewfinder, I had a camera in front of my face. And the other thing that happened at the same time is that I went down to the Antarctic and photographed Scott and Shackleton's huts down there and really got a sense that you could take portraits of spaces 
obviously in the, in those both those cases without anybody in those spaces, but get, got a very strong sense of the people that did inhabit those spaces. Like um, Scott's hut was very austere. Shackleton's hut, you could have spent the night there. It was it was warm and it was inviting. So once I came back to New Zealand, I was interested in exploring the idea of shooting interiors. And it just so happened that the magazines I was shooting for portraits weren't a big, weren't a significant part of the shoot. I'm thinking that Rooms is the culmination of, well, I'm not saying that's the end of your career, but it it's, must be a real yes. highlight for you to have taken all those strands and interests and your own passions and aesthetic um, values into this particular book. This is a very, very personal book for me. It wasn't commissioned. Nicola Leggett, who's the... Um, who's Massey University Press's publisher, we discussed it. So she didn't say, would you be interested in doing a book? We discussed it, and this is a book that I have desperately wanted to do for over six years, but very much bedded in and started shooting all the new um, photographs in the last two years. So I've had a lot of time to think about why I wanted to do it, what were the reasons to do it? And the idea of actually exploring a portrait with the absence of a person became more and more important the further I got into it. So initially, I looked at photos that I've taken in, say, the last four or five years, and I compiled a folder of images that would give Nicola a sense of where I thought the book could go. And then very quickly... I could see that they were portraits of people's spaces. The images I had chosen from my library could not have belonged to anybody other than the person who owned that house. So the rest of the photos that were taken, and the majority of the photos in this book are new. They, the rooms are from people who are probably, on the whole, either collectors, and they've got a very strong aesthetic and their rooms um, display their aesthetic. It's like the clothes they wear. It seemed to me when I got the book that um, my first impulse was to savour the book and to um, be seduced by the photographs to begin with, to, to follow the photographs through. And then what happened to me was I became more and more curious about who are the people who own these places and what are the objects. Yes. And so the way you've laid out the book is interesting to me in that sense because you see the photographs first with nothing other than a simple descriptor of the photographs. But all the information about the photographs that people have wanted you to know is in the back. So, you that, know, it's that's a deliberate choice, isn't that it? That was a very deliberate choice. I wanted the book to read as a whole. So there's nothing accidental about the way the images are placed within that book. I mean, I didn't certainly didn't want there to be a pink section or a green section, but I was very conscious 
that as the page as you turn the page, there was some relationship between one lot of images and the next lot. So I certainly and, and Nicola agreed with me. There was never ever going to be bodies of type breaking up these images. But it was Nicola that actually accompanied me on two or three of the trips I went on. And because she's a writer, she absorbed a lot more information than I did about what was actually in the rooms. And she tasked herself, probably naively to start with, to write the thumbnail, to write the the paragraphs that went with each thumbnail. Now, this was a huge job. It was, it was, it was a job for a writer. It should have been a full-time job. She did this. I don't know where she found the time. And I think it's added a lot to the book. And you've got these ribbons that you can flick between. Oh, ribbons. Don't start with the no. frisky coloured velvet oh, ribbon. Oh, they're, they're so delicious. Tactile, aren't they? They're delicious. One, you call it whiskey and the other is a sort of aquamarine colour. Aquamarine colour. And yeah. there was... There was a lot of toing and froing about the subtle differences, as you can imagine, because everything about this book had to be aesthetically pleasing because so many of, so all the rooms in this book belong to people whose aesthetics I admire. We couldn't fall down at the last hurdle and have a book that wasn't good enough. The book is stupendous. I I sat with some friends yesterday, one who's been in the book trade, and he just kept um, taking the. This is a French French fold. Yes, anybody that knows anything about books, we all love French folds. The hot pink, the magenta of the the cloth cover. Yes, and the way the. The cover goes into the frontispiece. It's luscious. It's luscious. It's unbelievably (laughs) luscious. And that's what I mean. You're seduced by every... All your senses are satisfied by this book. Um, The the way... Anyway. Um, And to have John Walsh do the... I know. um, Do the essay at the front is, is a wonderful choice. Well, he... He came on board because he's obviously well known, best known as an architecture writer, but he said to me at a dinner that we both attended that he was also interested in the things that people put into their spaces. And he came on board, he was on board right at the beginning. And again, that helped raise the bar because he's not associated with a sort of world of interiors, cabinet of curiosities, volume and we had a lot of conversations together I was surprised when he read the, when I read the essay that he became so interested in the way I approached it but I actually think take that aside it's the way that he's intelligently looked at the idea of if you take architecture aside what actually creates spaces and he actually explores that idea too Yes, it's fascinating. I, I, there's a quote of his of of, of the way you, um, the way, and he, uh, he says that you have you masterly frame your masterly framing of the things world, and I thought that was a really interesting um, way of describing. Well, framing is so doing. essential to yes, me, yeah. and whether so even. 
when I was taking portraits of people, the first thing I would do is find a framework to situate that person in. And so none of these images in this book are accidental. They, I would go into a house and I would spend the first two or three hours, as you know, studying what I thought would make a really, really strong image. And then I would probably eliminate three or four of those ideas. And then I, once I set up the camera, I would commit. And that could take two or three hours to get the image that I wanted. And within the book, a lot of the images sit side by side. And so often there's a relationship between those two images that independently, they're not as strong. They need to work together. Yes, it's fascinating seeing how how you've um, placed the photographs together. And I'm assuming that was a job that you did? Yes. Yes. Um, or did designers no, come in at that stage? No, no, the designers had, they had the template, mm. but I structured the way that the images went through the book because I know that something has a touch of lemon, which means that it has a conversation with the with the image that's either preceding it or um, going before it. And that would have been too much to ask any designer to do. But the designers treated these images with a huge amount of respect because they had to be very restrained because it's really not a designed book. But Every element of it, and you mentioned the French folds and the way that the images goes to go to the end papers, all the colours that are used on the blank pages. Alex from in-house did a fantastically intelligent job. Well, it's a remarkable book, and thank you, Jane. I think it's going to be one that lasts forever, and I think it would have huge international appeal as well. I think people internationally will be surprised that these are the interiors that we have in New Zealand. Wouldn't that, it would be lovely to think that. Wouldn't it? Yeah, because New Zealand art and craft. Yes. And, um, and people's, you know, people's idiosyncratic um, tastes are all in there and you've given them such a wonderful um, platform. I don't know. That's the wrong word, but thank you, Jane. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. The book is called Rooms, Portraits of Remarkable New Zealand Interiors. It's by photographer Jane Usher with John Walsh, the architectural writer, and it's magnificently published by Massey University Press. And join us, Moran Rout and Ruth Todd, next Tuesday on Bookends on Plains FM 96.9.